Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, presented by DraftStream, a discussion show about movies, gaming, and the unexpected cultural detours that color our life. Please enjoy your stay and enjoy the show. And we're back. It's your boy, Wardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great Cinema Draft, DraftStream Games, where daily fantasy sports meets the movies. Welcome back to the WBW, the working black writer, Hollywood hey. CA. It's your Hello. boy, the Cardinal. It's Kevin Garnett. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Five uh, ten and a senior, a twentieth year senior. It's our acts, all you Cal supporters out there. Twenty four, twenty three. Read them and weep. Maybe our only win for the season, but we got it. Uh, who are you talking to? Who is actually paying attention to that? <laughs> the Cal fans that are watching. Yeah, are, who, who's responding to this? And it's also G nice. <laughs> What's up, good people? Notre Dame is lighted up. Uh, oh, that's right. They didn't have to play us this year. Oh, no, no, they just had to play Clemson. What? <laughs> yeah, sure. Notre Dame. All right, whatever. And, all right, so we got the tripod in the house once again. Clap it up for the tripod. You know them. You love them. Wait, I have a question. Was Sound there a conversation effect. about the Stanford before I got on? But no. that just came out of nowhere. Chocolate no, Cardinal is yeah. a that's when I started to shift to uh, the Stanford conversation. Okay. okay, that makes more sense because that's about okay. you and not about anyone else who cares about that game. <laughs> Got it. Win. You guys are actually keeping up with college football. I mean, the world's a dumpster fire right now. Everyone's you know getting sick, postponing NFL games. I think what UW has played like three games, won them all. I mean, who, who cares about college sports? You guys are really tracking this shit right now? I actually I'm, watched the UW game. That's how really. I'm UW definitely game. tracking Pac-12 action. They're, they're, oh, the Pac-12 oh, is a dumpster I mean, the truth of the matter is if we had any heart and if we had any, like, consistency about caring about the greater good, we, we would stop playing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I'm a hypocrite because I'm watching it. But, like, if we actually gave a shit, we would stop. It's ridiculous how many games are getting canceled. That's just that's they, like shining warning signs that say, like, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. And we're like, yeah, no, it's fine. I well, think I they've already canceled, like, 100 basketball games college basketball games they have already. to they have to you should college is even worse you're inside basketball yeah. is gonna be like you know what i mean like unless you bubble up you but which you can't do it's a this is a whole cul-de-sac that i don't know if we want to start <laughs> doing know, donuts in here or not it, it really does lead me right into you know my favorite one of my favorite segments is tell me something good is there anything good to tell me gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Stanford has the axe. We blocked an extra point to win. That's that's a pretty great ending to a game in the last minute of the game. Number two, because I know you're all watching for Stanford athletics, we got a guy on the basketball team who LeBron James was tweeting about. He may be like a one-and-done type of guy, which would be perfect because he'll probably play like three games and then the season will get canceled and he'll be of no use to us. So, What's his name? I forgot his name already. He forgot um, his name. And, and didn't they just lose tonight, like 20 minutes ago? 
I didn't watch because I was working. I think I think they did. They played like that. Carolina though. Yes. All right. Well, do you yeah. do you have anything nice to say, G Nice? Uh, what do I have nice to say? I will say that um, there was a female kicker, right? That's kind of cool. Oh, I still haven't yeah. seen the video, but it's pretty. Sounds pretty cool. Vanderbilt, yeah. Vanderbilt. Um, he didn't get much uh, work. They lost forty-one to zero. <laughs> yeah, no, they one good. kickoff. They're not good. They're they're so cool. And and the other thing that I think is, is certainly a good thing. It, there's it's so goddamn complicated, but it's certainly good that there's some form of vac vaccine happening, right? There's some yes. version of th there's at least a step toward that. It seems incredibly complicated, but that's certainly better than nothing. It is yes. certainly better than nothing. And also, a good okay. thing for a lot of people, the political process is working. We had free and fair elections, and the people <laughs> have spoken. <laughs> Kevin Van Jones up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the purple, that's perfect. You know, with yes, free and fair elections, you know, hurrah to that. Were they one in 39 in court cases? It's fucking embarrassed. They even came from my my state today too, Nevada. And like they're not even, they're not even like, no, like go go with that bullshit. So yes. <laughs> this is the watching this what, like this this part should be funny. Like you're just watching a very spoiled man throw tantrums. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, but, but, it's like my products are that he's like selling off our our stuff to like saudis and he's you know he's so for blanket pardons and it's all sorts of heinous shit it's just petty it's just like a child it's like watching my own children but my kid is more mature <laughs> this is it's like a white supremacy tantrum is what it is <laughs> yes. Yes. So you guys see that article i want to say it was the washington post maybe where they did the cartoons of him getting more and more angry. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> These like just pictures of him just losing his shit and getting more and more angry. It's very funny. The show with no segues. We're going on to the next segment and it is what we're watching. And I'm going to share my screen and go first with what I'm watching before I circle back around to you fine gentlemen. And the first thing I am watching, it's a little PBS masterpiece theater show called Roadkill. Are you all familiar with Roadkill? I am not. I am I, not. It just, I, that guy just looks like he's got an accent. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Hugh Laurie, a.k.a. Dr. House, in his name. Oh, is it? It is Hugh Laurie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good shit, too. I, actually, let me, write this. let me go back and rate that. Oh, this is really good. Uh, it's, you know... Pure, you know, brick fishing style, you know, all killer, no filler, in and out in like four episodes in this case. I mean, I mm. actually I felt like they could have done at least another four more. And it's basically about uh, <clears throat> a uh, silver-tongued, conniving, careerist parliament backbencher who has eyes on 10 Downing Street and just all the kind of little machinations and backstabbery that goes on. Uh, in British parliamentary politics. And honestly, to, to tell you the truth, I've been watching a lot of parliamentary politics fictionalized shows. I'm watching mm -hmm. Borgin. I'm needy. I'm about halfway through the first season of Borgin. It's on uh, Netflix. Now it's Danish parliamentary politics. It's still the same concept where you basically, you have to cut deals because uh, the way parliament works, and I always had a fuzzy view of it, but now it's all, you know, up close and personal. You have to make deals with other opposition parties because you very rarely have like 51% majority. You know, this, this is what life looks like outside of a bullshit two-party system like we have. And it's just wild. I mean, they're always like, 
like, I mean, nobody's ever happy. Everyone's having to make deals and shit. And it's kind of the way a democracy probably should work. But anyways, uh, it's it's really interesting in this. He's, I mean, Hugh Laurie is like, you know, I mean, you realize it wasn't like he was wasting his talents on house, but he's got a lot more that he, you know, that he can play when you get him on something like Masterpiece Theater. So does he, I, wear, I, does he wear a white wig at any point during this? He's not wear a white wig. No, no, that's, you don't do that? that's what he was like a judge. He's actually, uh, he's, I think he might be a lawyer of some sort, but he's, yeah, he's like the minister of justice in this, I think. The minister of justice. Right. He was, he was fantastic at house, but that's cool. No, 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 no. I loved House, but I'm saying like even House was like didn't even tap like what this guy can really do. He's really, really good with what he does. What he did. Did you guys watch the uh, HBO spaceship thing that he was in? I yeah, saw a few episodes. I, I tapped out District District Five Avenue 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 Five. five yeah, <laughs> I, I saw one episode. The first it couple. As funny as I wanted it to be. It, yeah. It no, was I, not. And it's, they're actually bringing it back too, which is kind of sad. Yeah. I, I I think I tapped out with like three episodes left. I I don't know. Yeah, Avenue Five. It could have been better. Um, so that's one of the things I'm watching. The other thing I watched just last night too is a movie called Fat Man. And once again, why are they trying to make Mel Gibson happen? But oh, I read about this. this thing. Crazy. <laughs> oh, crazy. Is it crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's basically it's a darkly comedic um, take on like a. a like a bit of an action movie mixed into about a spoiled rich kid who hires an assassin to kill Chris Kringle, AKA Santa Claus, you know, like a real life Santa Claus. who's just kind of like this grumpy, uh, only works once a year, but is you know, always prepping the entire year around for this one day type Santa Claus guy who lives in like Alaska. And he wants him, he wants to assassinate Santa because this spoiled ass rich kid got a lump of coal in his stocking. No, that is, that is the entire, That's it. That's the entire plot. But what makes it interesting, though, is that it's fucking Walton Goggins who's the who's the assassin. Which Love is Walton of, Goggins. That he is great. He's excellent. Yeah. So he kind of gives a little weird, absurdist, calm kind of take on an assassin. Uh, I mean, Chris, his Chris Kringle's fine. He's you know kind of sturdy, irascible, whatever. His wife, for whatever reason, is Marine Jean Baptiste. Okay, I'll believe that. <laughs> and uh, they just live in, in, you know, you know, uh, North Peak, Alaska, you know, with their little shop full of elves and stuff. And this guy's like, you know, hired by like a child, like a twelve-year-old, to go rub off Santa. It's weird. And is it is it supposed to be funny as well, or? Well, that's just, the, just pure it, action. It truly is darkly comedic because I mean, it's supposed to be funny, like situationally, it's funny, but it's mm. not like really funny. If you get what I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm not sure if you've seen the flight attendant. The flight attendant is like, yeah. I mean, the flight attendant's good, and that's kind of like funny, funny, even though it's supposed to be situationally funny. This is just like the situation is funny, but it's not that funny. So you're kind of like the whole time you're kind of like, eh, you know, it's kind of like not quite chuckle, not quite funny. Oh, that's a funny setup, but you know, not a lot of funny lines. It's it's a tween, and you know what? You'll like this, G Nice. It's a tweener. Where's your dog? Tweener. This looks crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I I am different about um about uh what's his name William Coggins Wal Walton Goggins Walton Goggins <laughs> yeah him. Did you ever watch the Shield? Him. Did you watch the Shield? I didn't Obviously watch the Shield. What I know him mostly from is uh, Waylon Givens. Yeah. Oh yeah. Justified. I, mean, yeah. I thought Justified. he was really good on that too. Super annoying in that to me. What? He was the best. Oh man. Okay. He was a great. I think originally he was supposed to die at the end of the pilot, but he was so good. Correct. They kept him alive to be the main villain. He was. I thought he was great in that. I thought he was 
arguably even better in um, the I shield. The unicorn. I have not seen the unicorn. I feel like the unicorn's okay. Unicorn. That's another waste of his talents. He's really good that's, in the Viking yeah. and he's really good in the um that the religious show. The the mockumentary. oh the he yeah. you know, he was also Baby great Billy. in Baby Billy. <laughs> G nice. You might have. I don't know if you ever saw the show Vice Principals, but he was in that and he was also yeah. hilarious. I saw that. I, I I wanted to really think that was funny. I didn't think it was funny as I thought it was going to be. Well, we only had two two seasons, so it's not like he had to suffer long. But no, he was he's really good in. Um, it was a good show. Jones. There we go. Uncle Baby Billy. His Uncle Baby Billy. Is so I, I never watched that. I should have though. What's his face is very funny. Yeah. Uh, um, what's his name? Danny. Uh, Danny. He's sometimes funny. He's mostly funny. He's mostly funny. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Sometimes you want to punch him. No, his uncle baby Billy though comes like midway through that first season, man. It's just, yeah, there he, <laughs> look at that wig. Look at that fucking wig. <laughs> uncle baby yeah. Billy. Anyways, yeah, you'll you'll get. I mean, if, when yeah, this scene right here too. Their little song. It's it's a bit of a earworm too. So so yes, yeah, so Walton mm-hmm. Goggins in it. It's it's like like I wrote in the rundown. It's an interesting high concept, but you know, in better hands. And I'm, I've never heard of these guys. The so they might be brothers, maybe the Nels. Uh, Nesham, what was it? Nesham. I didn't even get it right. The Nesham. Uh, you know, I didn't even get the name right. Never mind. Are you <laughs> on the right? Oh, you might be on the wrong show. It's the wrong one. Yeah. You're looking for yeah. Yeah, it's like Nesham L. Yeah, Ian Nelms, Esham Nelms. There we go. Yeah, uh, I never heard these guys before. Writer directors in better hands probably could have been something. Wasn't all that great. So that is and, what I am watching. What are you guys? Yeah. G-Nice, what are you watching? Um, I am Besides watching... Notre Dame football. Yeah, yeah, and nothing else. Uh, I am watching... Um, <clears throat> there's two things that... I, well, I, there's, I'm watching the... Un, I finished... I just finished The Undoing. <laughs> like everyone else in America. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't know. Kevin, are you trying to watch this movie? Not really. All right, so um, spoil, spoil away. I'm caught up, of course. Spoil, spoil yeah. Well, I just feel like I thought it was nicely done. I thought Hugh Grant was good. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like, dude, what? The ending was really frustrating. Nobody but, liked the ending. I was fine with it. But what didn't you like about it? We spent all this time, and in the end, it's exactly what you think. Like, That's somebody... Somebody wrote something that I thought was really funny. They're like, they do this in CSI, but it takes an hour, not six. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I thought it was. I, I thought, thought he was so over the top. The dude on the right. Oh yeah, yeah, um, Edgar Ramirez. Yeah. He was. Oh God, he was over the top. It was like this is what I thought that the scene where she takes the stand. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like that's what they wanted to do, and then they built the story around that. They went backwards because. Like it was a cool moment, but it was so much more complex. She just could have taken the stand and said it. <laughs> like she didn't have to be clever. Like what? Like there was no need for any of that. She just could have done it, and she never needed to take the stand. So I was really frustrated by the ending. I was just like, what? It just felt kind of like a letdown. But it was good acting. It was nicely done. I thought the friend was really good. The uh, uh, the blonde friend. I thought oh she yeah, was, fully rave. Yeah, everyone can fully rave. Like what you know, everyone kept wondering, like, why is she in this? Like, because because basically, oh, so in the circles I kind of traffic in people. Pe- I think the whole 
the whole part, the whole point of the undoing was kind of a bit of a meta exercise, a meta narrative of the whole thing because it's dropping weekly because they're throwing out red herrings left and right. Like, Oh, it could be this guy. It could be this guy. You know, I mean, that was basically the whole experience of watching this show. Right. David E. Kelly was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to do this bit of a whodunit, even though it's, even though we're going to basically Occam's razor the shit out of this at the end. And the whole fun of it is having everyone spin themselves into circles, trying to figure out some theories. I heard some wild ass theories. The kid did it. She blacks out and she did it. You know, uh, almost everyone but the guy who actually did it. And I thought that was the best part of the show is watching all these theories spin from week to week to week as they kept throwing out more red herrings, more red herrings. And just the fact that it was so well cast and cast up, it made everyone seem like they're a suspect. People thought Donald Sutherland did it. People thought, I'm like, it was just wild ass theories out there that I, I really enjoyed the process. It's like, it's like the whole point of the show was the friends we made along the way, the theories we created along the way. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, but at the end, I was just like, it would have been better had he just never acknowledged it. And we all went to bed thinking like, what the fuck? We never found out. Well, I was really irritated. Kidnap the kid and then go to the bridge and jump. I'm like, jump, motherfucker, jump. I mean, if you don't want to go to prison, I get it. You ain't made for prison. We saw your one episode on the yard. Didn't go well. You know, so if, I, if you're going to get there, get up there, climb onto the top of the thing, then jump. I was like, jump. Ma Draft mom was like, jump. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought that whole thing was so dramatic. Everything was so thought, slow and thoughtful, and deliberate. And then that was just like so generic. Like I'm gonna go here and jump. I don't know. It was good. I mean, it was definitely entertaining. The um, other thing the show people loved, obviously, is the wardrobe because they really did go for that one percent or slice of life. And everyone loves the coats. These coats are oh, pretty. You look like a witch. <laughs> oh, with all that hair, yeah, with the long you know, red hair, green dress, the huge green coat she kept wearing. Yeah, everyone loved that coat, the little crush belt, and, that, and then the the um, the the burgundy coat too was just. I mean, the coats. I think the coats probably have their own like Twitter and Instagram accounts. Like seriously, <laughs> she of course just. I mean, just flawless. Ugh. I also didn't. This is the other thing. It was, I was annoyed that the tell was supposed to be that he was a psychopath from a kid, and you are watching him show empathy throughout the thing. Right, you're watching him physically show empathy, unless he's just lying, in which case someone needs to say that that's a symptom. Right? Well, they, like, they did say that they did. They, no, said they, that. they did. They said that that he can say stuff, but you don't feel anything. That's that's the sociopath. Correct, but there were a number of scenes where he showed you differently, and yeah. like huh? letting an accident that happened doesn't mean you're. The, the the original thing was an accident, right? Like, why would that translate to? A murderer. I just, I, I was, I thought that was great. I, I thought that was great. It was fine. It was like I said, it was great. It was. I, I don't love Nicole Kidman. Can I say that? Like, like as an actor. Yeah. Or Go ahead. I think she's very good. I just don't enjoy, and I, it really freaks me out that her face doesn't move. <laughs> I know, I know that that's normal. I know Botox is, a, is like. The Botox, right? Like there are people like look at in this shot. Look at look at Hugh Grant's forehead and look at hers. I know she I looks know. like a porcelain doll. I know. It just freaks me out. And she's very, very, very tall. And she's wearing like she she does these walks. She keeps all like, doing all these walks, and she's wearing like these high heel boots. I'm like, no, you're not. Well, I just, what I thought was weird was that, was that you know all these you know rich white ladies walking Central Park by themselves at night in the I middle mean, of the night. I was like, <laughs> I guess I don't know it that well. It seems so <laughs> dangerous. 
I mean, I've never lived, you know, in the Upper East Side or whatever the hell it is, up West Side. But I mean, that seems like it might be dangerous. I don't know, Amy Cooper, all sort of stuff. But yeah, whatever. it seems like every um, S- Law and Order SVU that I've ever seen starts with some woman being found in Central Park. So I, I you know, <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> it's not where you want to be at night, right? <laughs> I don't know how it works, but yeah, it seems like that's that's consistent. It was definitely entertaining, though. I will say that. The other thing I'm watching is I was super random, but I uh, this is sound terrible. I think I've told you guys this before. I, the way I watch things is one of my very form one of my former students uh, works for Directv, and he kept moving up. And he oh. he basically calls me, and he's like, "Yo, you were my favorite teacher. I know you like the Bulls. Use the <laughs> Bulls account." So I was watching off of his account. So I had access to all this stuff. And he just got promoted to a different company. I'm like, no. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I was like, how dare you get promoted? Anyway, um, so I, I watched this because I was fearful that I would never see it. Um, I watched Remy. You guys ever watched Remy? Remy. The Remy. first season of, um, I saw the first part of the first season of Remy. Yeah, that's a show? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Just Remy, R-E-M, oh, Rami, Rami. Oh, Rami. What did I say? Rami, I was talking about this years ago. No, Rami, yeah, Rami's hilarious. Have you seen the second season? Second season's awesome. No, I just saw the first season. Yeah, watch second season. Mahershala Ali is in there as like as like a, a regular. He's really good. I thought this was clever. I thought it's clever. I think it's pretty funny. It's a little ridiculous, right? But Very ridiculous. <laughs> and um, he's very unlikable, too, which is why I think he won the Emmy. This uh, Didn't he win an Emmy for his second season? Like, he... Like people like yeah. really are kind of divided on like Rami as a character because I mean he's he's a bit of a dirtbag in season one, but he takes it to another level in season two. This, I'm like, I'm a dirtbag. <laughs> I was just talking with a friend today trying to think of anything funny that I'm watching, and this is probably my favorite comedy on TV right now. This and uh Southside are the dude on the right is supposedly getting his own show. Oh, those two dudes are hilarious. The scenes they're in, they just eat the fucking seat up. (laughs) And they they all have like distinct points of view. Yeah. Yeah, it's clever. I was like, I didn't know what to expect, but I was like, this is pretty clever. Yeah. I mean, I think he's like, he carries the show. He's not super charismatic. He's not super like horribly. He's not like really funny, but he's all the shit around him is. And he, he plays the characters like is like uh, conflicted but earnest. Like he always keeps fucking up. He always keeps fucking up, but he's earnest about it. He's like trying to make amends. He's trying to do the right thing, but he's just like a bit of a dirtbag inside. He can't quite help so it. I also think he's I like super relatable. I think he's super relatable because like everyone tries to do the right thing to a certain right. extent, whether yeah. they however close they get to that goal, um, and then just putting it in this very specific religious context. For me, it's like super relatable. My roommate throughout all college was um, Muslim, so I definitely understand to some degree the struggles of of trying to live that life, but also, you know, trying to have sex with your cousin. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that I like very much about the show is like the Muslim community here in Jersey is very different than it was in California. Mm. Um, And... um, one of the other things they do that I like a lot is uh, they they name drop a bunch of this 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 parts of Jersey 
which is super fun because I'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been over there. Oh, all right. So I like, I can sort of relate to some of the things he's talking about. It's kind of fun. Hey, hey, hey I get that. <laughs> So the one thing that I, the, the one thing that I did not like about season two, which is not a spoiler, is that they did a little bit in season one where they take these episodes to focus on other characters. Yeah. So you'll have an episode that's strictly about the sister or whatever. Or, or they the did, mother. Right. Which in I season two, they did a, a little bit too much of that to me. To where I think you can have those episodes but still have Rami in them. But they would do those episodes, but Rami would like essentially almost not be in them. Um, which to I me, like I'm like, I like the mother one. Yeah, I, I think they really were, yeah, the mother one was really good. I'm just saying, like, I would have wanted to see more of him in the thing. Everybody is great. The dad is great. His friend, uh, the cousin friend is great. He got to the end with the cousin. Yeah, was cousin is great. I'm sure there's more for that coming. <laughs> but yeah, Mahershala is great in season two. He's and really I'm, good. I'm glad they sort of the, showed the, the like Latin American people. I don't know her name, but the the actor who played the daughter, she's she's good too. Yeah, it was great for them to actually show African Americans who are Muslim, like yes. not not Nation of Islam, but just like Muslim, right? Right, Muslim. I think yeah. I told you guys this. In my school, we have a part of the school we put aside so that um, students can pray. Oh. So it's like good to see like this. You know, like this is not just like there's this is more inclusive than people know mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> all right so so what are you watching kg uh three quick things i'll run off mandalorian season two yes, don't say a word you can't say nothing uh, what how i'll say is this are you behind who me yeah, you know, how far you are you behind started season two okay uh, it's oh, the continued adventures i'll say that there's, there's a few things no no i mean it's it's continues as it was before hold on a second <laughs> all right so while he's off i'll talk a little bit about mandalorian without spoiling it for gene ice <clears throat> a lot i mean you know little baby yoda he's all in this season like you know he he's definitely carrying the show on his back uh there's it's pretty much like a mission of the week style now every time he goes to a different planet Something happens, and yeah, we'll help you, but we need your help first. <laughs> so yeah, it was basically a mission of the week last time. Yeah, sure. like I love the storytelling because it's very simple. He comes, he has a goal. Yeah, there's an obstacle, and then he either gets it or there's a you know twist at the end. Um, <laughs> but like, there's one episode. This the one. Are you caught up? Oh, I'm caught up. Yeah, La the one not this week's, which was amazing with a great uh, guest star. I yeah. will not name. No. Uh, what's his face was perfect for a western. Oh yeah, um, yeah. season opener. Yeah, season See, opener. Yeah. The week yeah, episode yeah, yeah. before. You won't believe this, Gene Ice, but he plays a, sh a marshal. <laughs> that Raylan Givens present. You know, basically yeah. Waylon Givens of the Outer Rim. Yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, Mandalorian. You know what it is. It's great. It's a great show. If you're into Star Wars, you will love this show. Are killing me. I love this. <laughs> um, second thing that I'm watching. Showtime documentary called The Reagans, all about oh fuck yeah, Ronnie and Nancy. That. that is good uh, shit. Just showing the parallels to Trump are are amazing. It basically is just showing his rise. I think we're I've seen the first two episodes, and it just shows like he was an actor, 
who basically <laughs> kind of ran out of gas, switched <laughs> over to the other side, was a Democrat before, but just like all the ways sag that bitch was head of sag and all of a sudden he's union all the pro-union guy just the fact like all the ways that he has essentially sold his soul to get to that office um straightforward documentary there's nothing sort of fancy about the filmmaking but it's it's really solid and entertaining if you you, you know if you have any interest in american politics uh historically speaking the Reagans. I don't know who produced it, who did it. I know it's on Showtime, and I'm watching the hell out of it. Uh, the last thing that I'm watching. No, no, yeah, real, real quick about the Reagans. Yeah, because yeah. I, I want to make sure that people get this point. I mean, <clears throat> because we're, I mean, we're of age. We grew up, you know, with that shit. And we, you know, and even if you paid, you know, mild attention as like, a, you know, a fifth or sixth grader, you knew that shit was wrong with Reagan, right? But my God, I love how how they they do they put it all into a context. How not only was he like Trump before Trump, even the same phrase and stuff, make America great again, all that sort of bullshit, but how how he how empty all his policies were and how 40 years later we're still suffering. We're still suffering from that nonsense, but how you would basically say, Oh yeah, we're gonna get this great tax cut, and yet all of his advisors like, look, you're you know, we don't have any money because you gave it all away to the rich, and so we're gonna have to cut all these social programs and then and it started like a whole lexicon. Of conservative bullshit of how you say one thing and keep it nice and sunny. He's a great actor, and that's what you're gonna see in in episode three when you get there, Kevin. All, obviously, none of this is new to you, but the way it goes granularly into like what he was cutting, you're like this fucking monster. But yet he's out there like the actor he is, saying lines, smiling his ass off, giving a nice sunny face, right. conservatism while the country is going to hell. I mean, one, yeah. one, on, on one end you got like Wall Street's never been better. Wall Street's just you know booming like crazy, but then on the other hand, they're they're cutting like I mean they're like people in Mississippi who got who are like li living like sharecropper style. It's crazy. It's fucking nuts. And yeah. oh, it's so good. I, I love I love the fact that they, I love how it's out there. I don't think enough. I don't think it's getting nearly enough shine. It did just kind of modestly okay. I think it got in like the 80s, maybe low 90s in the in the cinema draft game. Didn't get nearly as high as it should have been. But man, mm -hmm. it's, it's a really good show. And it wraps up on Sunday with episode four. That's it. They're just doing four. Wow. Only four. Only four. Well, it's interesting for sure. And the last thing I'm watching uh, is Small Axe. Uh, British, everyone, British, everyone loves that. Everyone British loves director that. Steve McQueen, who did 12 Years a Slave, Hunger, etc. The, the BBC gave him money to make five movies all about the, the uh, black people in England in sort of the late 60s into the maybe early 80s and it's an it's an anthology so the first one is uh mangrove mangrove which is about speaking of avenue five lenora critchlow who's an actor on there her dad was that guy right there in that last shot who who owned this restaurant that was like sort of a hangout for i guess a lot of people from the west indies and jamaica came back to or came to England during that time and were obviously white supremacy, the birthplace of white supremacy. Uh, so they were like trying to stomp these people out. So um, what's her face? Black Panther's little sisters in that one. Oh, yeah, only, right. Yeah. The teacher, right. They only aired the first two. Mm -hmm. uh, that first one, Mangrove, is like it starts slow, but then it gets really, really good. The second one called Lover's Rock, which is yeah, this one here. Homeboy who played Jamie in Top Boy, the, the Michael Ray. Top Boy. Yeah. yeah. There's another guy from Top Boy in the second one. 
it's it's all about these basically house parties that they used to throw uh, when the clubs and bars wouldn't let black people in. So they throw these house parties and, you know, charge money to get in and, and sell food and all that type of stuff. And it's basically, it's something that you can tell was written by like a director and a novelist. It's, there's only the hint of a whisper of a story, but it, it's like the house party that you, that 2000, I mean, uh, 2020 totally needed to have. And, well, and it's like Woody Allen before, so why not? Why not? Why don't we have our own little whisper of a hint of a story? Yeah, it's 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 just black people in a house party hanging out, and it's great. That like it's it's the other other four I think are based on true stories. This is just sort of a moment in time, and like from what I've read about it, like even every detail down to like the wallpaper. People who were there say, yeah, the wallpaper was like that, um, <laughs> and it's cool. it's. It's just a fun, cool. It's like a total vibe. It's it's the house party you need to go to immediately. It's a vibe. All right, I'm with yeah. that. Lovers Rock is the se- is the second episode. That's that's great. All right, so let's get. You can even listen to the soundtrack if you want to. It's great. Oh, the soundtrack's good too. Okay, on on Spotify. On Spotify. All right. All right, so we're going to jump into our main topic of the show this evening, and that is our top three assassin movies. Rules are like such. Wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start Googling, bitch. What? <laughs> G-Nice, as usual, coming unprepared. Name a movie that features an assassin or hunting people for money. We alternate picks. When someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. As always, guests go first, and since G-Nice is unprepared, <laughs> I, I should put you on the does not matter. But actually, you don't get rewarded for being late, so you're going last. So we're going to do uh, Kevin first. All right, what's your first film, Kevin? Uh, I know what G-Nice is going to pick, but I'll, and I'll allow him to do that. I'm going to go with uh, The Professional. Oh, okay. As, as my... that's like the greatest, most obvious one. Yeah, that's why I took it off the board first, but I know which one you're going to pick. Um, All right, so what about obviously Natalie Portman, a young Natalie Portman, I think her first role, great simple story of this assassin who shows mercy on this kid. They kill, I think, her parents or something. He lives down the hall. If, she, if he doesn't open the door and let her in, she's going to get killed. Mm. So he lets her in and sort of raises her and teaches her how to be an assassin. This is... Gary Oldman at his Gary Oldmanist, possibly. This is like the beginning of Gary Oldman with his like rants. Yes, and but but it was like fresh, and sort of like uh, totally unexpected back then. She's great. He's great. They make a great team. There's like a weird sort of uh, tension between them that plays throughout, and uh, it's just a great movie. That's a great fit. Look at this fit. Look at those glasses, the sunglasses, little uh, little scully, weird suit. I actually I don't like that fit. That's you might rock that at like an LA party. <laughs> oh, that's a great shot. That's right? a great movie. That that so I've recently watched that movie, um, and it doesn't. It it's it's the test of time is not it's still really good though. It's not like you. It's not something you wouldn't watch again. But it's, mm. it's, you know, it's a, there's a, there are some cheesier parts that I didn't remember. Um, but the dynamic between those two, like this is, I think his was like one of his first like big role or American roles. And like, oh, you know, 
Reno. Huh? Jean Reno, this guy. Yeah, like he's worked a ton now, but back then he was mm. still sort of new. <clears throat> he doesn't talk that much. He's just kind of like the cool sign. She's like tough, and she's you know sometimes with the kid roles like this, they're kind of over the top, and they're like, "I am the kid role," but she's pretty subtle. It's super cool. It's super smooth. Like you said, mm. Kevin, there's some weird tension, but there's also like it's not sexual, which is like good, right? Like mm-hmm. there's not always these stories where the adult and the kid have an appropriate relationship. You know what I mean? And it's just like, but obviously he's turning him, turning into a killer. So it's not really appropriate, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I love this movie. I love this movie back in the day. And it's still, she's, she's great. He's great. Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. He he has done now. He's kind of mastered this. Like I'm an angry villain. Um, <laughs> but he did it here. But he did it now. At at this moment, he was just great. Yeah, it's like this was the blueprint for all the Gary Oldman performances to follow. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, like, oh, do that thing again, I, and again, so, and again, and again. You know, yeah. I think I've seen this film, but it's so long ago. I honestly don't remember a thing about it. So I put it on my list to rewatch. Oh, it's so good. It's 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 really good. It's fun. Um, and like you know, back in '94, this was like the back in the day when you would just go to the theater, sort of expecting nothing. Maybe you saw the trailer, mm. maybe you just like showed up at the theater and was like, "Oh, what's playing now?" And you just went, and it was you know a delight. As they yeah, and early, early, early Luke Besson too. Like, yeah, this, this is early. This is early Besson, and this is like, like he doesn't. He gets more not gimmicky, but he he gets bigger, right? He yeah. gets bigger the the more money he gets. But this was still like a pretty quiet. Like they've done this movie a bunch of times since. Like you just went up. Like Lucy has this. Like they've done a, these versions of like the protege, but like for whatever reason, this isn't. It's not even like super dark. It's a little campy, but it's but it's it's the perfect balance. Well, it would be Luke Besson for wasn't a little campy. <laughs> that dude's a joke. Uh, I mean, he's good, but he's you know he never. I don't think he takes himself too seriously. I really don't. Uh, all right, that's a good one out the box. I'm taking the most obvious one off the board since. Since Gene Ice was late, I'm going John Wick. Obviously, gotta be John Wick. He's just, I mean, reinvigorated the whole <clears throat> assassin genre. He spawned sequels. Ke- I mean, Keanu, I guess, as the, the 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 young women would say, in his zaddy days right now, fifty, <laughs> kicking ass, fit as ever, <laughs> doing his thing. Don't fuck with his dog, people. Do not fuck with a hitman's dog. All right, or he'll come. <clears throat> He will come for you. And, and yeah, these are great. I mean, uh, everything's already been said about John Wick that's already been said. So I'm not going to get into it, but I like Lance Reddick showing up in there, a.k.a. Lieutenant Daniels, Commissioner Daniels. <laughs> I mean, I'm in season five of my rewatch of The, of the nice. Wire, rewatch number seven. I'm trying to keep along with uh, Jamel Hill's um, way down oh. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's good stuff. So good to see uh, uh, Cedric Daniels up in here. Uh, and he's just, I mean, it's got some of the best stunt choreography we've seen, you know, in the new millennium. It's just, it's awesome. It's incredible. So, yeah. Yeah. Again, with these things, like a very simple story, right? They come instead of uh, pet the dog, they kill the dog and he, <laughs> and there's hell to pay for it. Like, it's, you know, what more needs to be said? Don't fuck with my dog. And, and it's on. So, yeah. So John Wick, that's my pick. So John Wick to me. People love John Wick. They love John Wick. All three of these movies. And you're not people, huh, G. Nices? <laughs> I, I like it fine. I, I like it fine. I, I, I was confused that an entire movie is based on hurting the dog. But <laughs> I, I was just like, really? 
And there, look, this is just a set piece. This is just a setup for him to like do a cool shit. The more, the more that I mean, you can't pick two and three, right? But the more this gets into like the coin and the the underground union of assassins, and yeah, the more ridiculous it gets. And mm-hmm. like when Holly Berry shows up and she's kicking everybody's ass, uh, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. It's exactly it's a it's totally the it's a great enjoyable popcorn movie. As long as you don't think it's fine, and the, I like I somewhere along the way I stopped enjoying like car chases and action shit, like because that shit goes on and on and on. The first time it's like the first time Tarantino cut somebody open and the blood sprays that was cool. The seventy fifth time though, <laughs> and maybe, I got kids. <laughs> yeah, is that what it is? Damn, that's probably <laughs> it. You old hashtag you old sad. All right. So, what's your what's your first pick then? What's your what's your well, first? Pick? I would. I'd, I'm annoyed with Kevin, although it's obvious. But I'm annoyed with Kevin. Um, I'm going to take this off the board because he'll probably pull it too. Um, gross point blank is mine. I oh. knew. Comedy <laughs> assassin. Okay. Because that movie is fucking fantastic. It's still fantastic. It's still super funny and clever. There's so many weird little things that happen in that movie. I I randomly watch this movie a lot, just because it's always on. <laughs> It's just it's always on randomly, and he's got so many. Like obviously, I like Cusack, but this is one of the like. There's bad Cusack too, right? But this is a this is good Cusack. He's got him and um, Mini Driver are like charming. There's like really weird shit that's funny. Like you guys remember, there's a scene where the assassins who are sent to kill him are like in the bathroom picking their teeth and brushing their hair. It's super super subtle, but they're like really skilled actors who can make something so simple, super funny. Like this scene where they're ordering eggs with Dan Aykroyd, it's fucking great. It's such a good movie. This makes you want to watch this movie again. <laughs> such a good movie, he just knocks over the mic. Such a good movie! <laughs> oh, it's so good. You guys don't remember? It's so good. Even in the scene where he holds the baby and they use the Queen song, it's just, oh, Alan Arkin's fucking great in it. I gotta watch and, this again. I had to watch it again too. I haven't seen it in decades. It's so good, front to back. It's front to back. It's no. like, I mean, it's got it's got the thrill of the 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 assassin part is actually the the weakest part, but like wrapped up in the in the high school reunion and getting his girl back, and he's still like when he's brooding and dark and nothing matters. I'm gonna so go. The reunions were a big thing at the end of the '90s too, like Rami and Michelle and and you know. They're... Yeah, but this one's good. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, fair enough. All right, what's your next film, uh, Kevin? I got to go with another obvious one, uh, just because it's still there, Pulp Fiction. Oh, um, okay. Fair enough. A Royale Cheese. Jules and uh, what's his face? Um, the comeback of Travolta. Uh, Travolta, which is maybe unfortunately, but um, great structure. You know, Tarantino, it is sort of, peak arguably um what more can you say you know uh what's his face sam jackson killing it with with you know just chewing up all of tarantino's dialogue this sort of out of place structure which sort of you know was off-putting at the time um they end up shaping the next what 25 30 years of cinema (laughs) yeah um yeah bruce willis the fight, the whole OD situation. Oh man! Uh, oh my God! I, like I there were so go. many little. I mean, you know, 
problematic with Tarantino just loving to say the N word, but um, what? No, he doesn't. It's art. <laughs> it's art. <laughs> but, and, then, and this is Ving Rhames uh, coming out party. Yeah, I think this is the first time I remember seeing him. Um, he's in Pulp Fiction. The Gimp. Yeah. No, he was. He wasn't the Gimp. He was. Uh, oh, the guy. That's right. The guy with the ball gag. And then freaking uh, Harvey Keitel as the wolf. This thing is is way overly cast. This, I mean, so he had done his Tarantino's first one before that was the um, Reservoir Dogs, right? So right. that one film got him all this shit. I mean, they like you want an actor, fine. It's in your he's in your movie. This but movie he also had true, true romance had already come out at this point, so people knew his writing as well. That's true. That's true. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's it's Pulp Fiction. I mean, what can you say? Honey, um, Bunny, yeah, and, and what's his name? Use this, but it's a great movie. Yeah, uh, my next one. Uh, well, so far I'm glad you guys haven't taken any of the ones I want to take. So and I'm gonna take this one off the board. They even kill the whole franchise for you. I'm doing the Born Ultimatum. Yeah, I mean you can pick any of the Borns. The first Born actually isn't even. I mean it's good, but it's not like great. I think the Born, um, the second Born actually is really good too. I wouldn't, you know, necessarily hate on anyone if they picked that one, but I like the ultimatum one because that's the one that viscerally is in, it's kind of seared in my head of how well they did the hand-to-hand close-up combat. The one with Edgar Ramirez, when I, I'm honestly, we were kind of first really exposed to Edgar Ramirez, uh, where he's in he's in the in Tangiers or, or Tunisia or somewhere like that, and they're like throwing books. It's really up close and gritty, and that whole handheld Paul Greengrass it's in your grill style was really stuck out to me when I watched in the theater. I mean, I remember going home like, Whoa, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know? And it kind of helped set, you know, I guess the action for like the next, maybe, <coughs> you know, 15 years or so to the point where the new James Bond was very born esque. Like we're going to get right. uptight, you know, real, you know, handheld, you know, use what's around you kind of style of, of action filmmaking. And, you know, what, what better assassin is there than one who has a failing memory? I mean, sure, why not? <laughs> who am I? Why am I? I mean, you know, it's just, it's a very kind of fundamental premise for a story. So he's, and this is him, I guess, kind of coming full circle, like, okay, I'm remembering everything. I'm taking your assets and using them against you, a.k.a. Nikki, R.I.P. Nikki, Julia Stiles. I mean, it's just, it's it's good. It, I mean, start to finish, good, a lot of fun, very propulsive, doesn't slow down for nobody. I, I really enjoyed the Bourne Ultimatum. Yeah, the whole series is like you said, it's fun. They get they get into his character a lot, and you really care about what's going to happen to this guy. You know, they were able to sort of hook you in pretty early in the first film and get you to care. And although it does have all the action, all that sort of stuff, it's grounded as much as an action movie can be in character, which which is why you're able to come back and do as many of these movies as Matt Damon wants to do. True, absolutely true. All right, so, uh, no, no thoughts on Born. No, I mean, look, Born Identity. <laughs> all those movies are good. They're consistently good. This was like right after, um, this is right after Goodwill Hunting, where they like went their separate ways, and it was like who's got the bigger French, and his was like, oh, these are fucking good. <laughs> they're legitimately good. Like every single one of them. They're not over the top. I mean, that's not true. They are over the top, but they're not like, they're not like action movie they're like they're not like big budget action movies they're kind of quiet if it's possible um and i think he he's great 
he's great. He's just he's great. He's so it's like perfect for like the stuff he does now as an actor. I like less, and he's doing the same stuff. But when he was doing this, it was perfect. He wasn't like there were no like great action lines. There were no like yippee motherfucker. It was just like you would do shit quietly and get it done. Well, uh, it was weird because I'm not sure you remember at the time, but like when he was cast as Born, and we're like. Matt Damon's gonna be this badass. I mean, sure, he played like a guy, like a meathead on on Goodwill Hunting, but like he seriously, Matt Damon's gonna be an action star. Okay, sure. And then you saw the first Born, you're like, oh fuck. Okay, I get what they're doing with this. You know, it totally makes. But he's sense. not like act, but it's not action, action, right? He's not doing like huge jumps. He's not doing huge stunts. He's doing well, a lot well, of. Like, he's, not like he's not like Schwarzenegger or anything. So that's why you're kind of like Damon for real. But then you're like, okay, I get it now. <laughs> but this was like the birth of like the the new millennium action star it wasn't right. like you know the 80s sort of set this model when you had Biggers alone and van damme. Uh, van damme and schwarzenegger and he's <laughs> going to mars and you know <laughs> doing all that sort of crazy stuff this it was like the stuff in the new millennium yeah it's like more grounded like so you're cool. saying and this is what really made him i think like a real star you know what i mean like he was a star after Goodwill Hunting, but he wasn't like on the level where he could like do anything. Yeah, no, this was this was this was this whole franchise is great. And when they did the spinoff, that was also good. It wasn't the same, but it was also still really good. Renner, yeah. Although that thing still disturbs the shit out of me. Um, but yeah. All right. Okay, so what's your next film, G Nice? So the problem with all this is I have to go backwards. I have to do these out of order. If I knew Kevin was was going to be patient, which I know he wasn't going to be, I would have waited on Gross Point Blank. <laughs> so, all right, so I'm going backwards. Pulp Fiction is a good call. It feels like it shouldn't really count as an assassin movie, but they're two hitmen. I know. I mean, he's he's not wrong. It just it feels like you're cheating. <laughs> so I'm also going to bend that rule as well and say No Country for Old Men. Oh, um, no, absolutely, Anton Chigurh. Yeah, absolutely. That is it. That is an assassin movie. That's great. That is a really really good movie and i there's there's these moments where like i don't know if you guys i didn't know anything about this movie before it came out and yeah, i just knew it was Coen brothers i knew it was like but there was so much hype and i was like the more people give hype i'm always like no but it was really fucking good <laughs> it was still really good the only part i don't really like in the movie is tommy lee jones speech at the end which I feel like you had to have because that's like the summation, but yeah, I don't know. It's just he's a little, he's a little, but there's like the cow, the cow prider thing, and like that dude is always good, always Charlie. good. Yeah, he's yeah. always yeah, he was good. His dad was like a big thing, and then it's like his son quietly ended up becoming better, bigger. I mean, he doesn't yeah. seem like what, the nicest person in the world, but uh, mm -hmm. he's talented. This definitely had like a, a Western kind of a feel to it. Yeah, um, totally. And uh, and look at these colors, yeah. kind of like washed out and kind of like mm. desert, like colors, like like. Also, his haircut, right? If yeah. his hair any different, you wouldn't be as freaked out. And then just like the flip of the coin thing was great. And the way he spoke. Kelly McDonald. He should have been like, the way he spoke was very much like, like he was, he was like a superhero villain, right? He, you couldn't kill him, right? right? He spoke with these tones that would scare you, and like he would fate, and he was like unrelenting and without morals. And then he but killed like, homeboy like 
you know, 75% through the movie. And you're like, what? Wait, no, he didn't kill him, did he? Like, yeah, he killed him. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just, this is just a really good movie. This is what, this is one of those movies that you could just keep watching over and over again. It's this like, sequence was great with the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And like, the more you watch it, the more subtleties you pick up. It's a good fucking movie. Yeah. I'm disturbed by how many like really good assassin movies there are. What does that say about our culture? Jesus. <laughs> and I also did not like the ending mainly because I was, whoever I was watching with, I asked them a question right as he's giving his speech, and then it fucking ended. And I'm like, what? I, uh, well, that's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, yeah. what's the next film, Katie? But yourself, my friend. Uh, you know, since we only have three, there's obviously a lot left on the board. So much left on the board. I could. But well, wait, the idea is that you're picking like the movies, right? There's assassin movies are fun because they're cheap and easy, right? Because you know, every, you know, everyone's gonna die. You know, there's gonna be lots of horrible shit that happens, and it's gonna be like entertaining, right? So right. when we're picking these movies, we have to think about the movies in the context of like, this is a great movie, not just like, eh, it's all right. Just do you know, we, do we really? Well, I don't know what you're saying. Picture, you know, Johnny Come Lately didn't read the rundown. Do we really? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's still the right. The point is, my last pick for this will be Collateral, starring. There it uh, is. It, it was. It was on my short list, but I knew I was going to get to it, so I'm glad you got to it. Nah. Jamie Fox. Uh, you know, one night he hires a cab driver. Is he? It's essentially uh, the Uber killer. <laughs> yeah, pre pre Uber killer. <laughs> uh, you know, Cruz in a wig or some hair dye, whatever it was, going around the relationship between these two guys. It's uh, Michael Mann, no? Yeah, Michael Mann. Yeah, and, Michael and Mann on his on the he's one of the first people to use the camera. Yeah, yeah, not camera, right? Video, night digital. Yeah, and you know what more can you say? Fox kind of playing this. Uh, you know, not his normal swagalicious self. Ruffalo. Oh, young Ruffalo. Uh, but see, oh, okay. Are you done? I'm done, yeah. Go ahead and, and uh, take a crap on my pick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, was, this to me was one of those movies that had all this hype and all this potential. And like Jamie Foxx was very good. Tom Cruise was very good. I'm not, I don't love Ruffalo. Am I, am I, can I say that a lot? I'm not a huge Hey, gee, did we see this together at a screening? Probably. I probably said this then, too. Probably. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was great. I was cheering at the end and shit. <laughs> like, it was interesting, but it was like, I don't know. I don't know. He And then the whole segment was... Like a bad guy. Like, you see him a bad guy. And also, it wasn't like the glammy, the glam glitz LA. It was like it tried to be like a dirty, gritty LA. Right. They had a scene on a train. It puts the 105 in the movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to like, I want, like, because this, this has all the pieces, but it was just kind of strange. I don't know. I don't well, know. I'm with you, Kevin. I loved it. That's a great pick. It was on my list, but I wasn't going to get to it because. Well, I just wasn't going to get to it. So I'm glad you did. And I'm going to close with one that neither of you guys would ever even think of liking. Totally underrated. Super underrated. Does not need to meet Gene Ice's <laughs> for fine cinema. Correct, correct way to pick a movie. But. but I enjoyed it thoroughly. I will watch this every time I get a chance. And it's American Assassin. Super, nice. super underrated. Yeah, I, I bet you'll watch it, have you? 
Have you all seen this? I have not seen this. Is it who's yeah. that? Is it Michael Keaton? Michael. Well, it's the American Assassin at at issue is Dylan O'Brien. I know you're like, what? Teen Wolf? Who? Mazer <laughs> Kid? What? That's how I was going into this movie. Saw in theaters. And you heard this movie because it's not Lathan is in it. Let's stop, stop pretending like there's any other reason. Why isn't she on the poster? Is that her on the poster? That is her on the poster. And she's great. She is great. I mean, she doesn't have much to do in this movie, honestly. But, I mean, she's got enough. It's fine. But it's not about her. It's about Dylan O'Brien. Because I was kind of like how we were talking about Matt Damon earlier. Is like, oh, this guy is a badass. Sure, right, whatever. I had that same idea going into this because I'd just seen him in the Maze Runner. He's where he plays, you know, a bit of a, a you know, a, a teenager trying to figure it out, scrawny kid. I'm like, how's this guy going to be an assassin, right? And, and really? I, I admit, I will admit the trailer looked good. The whole little gun click thing. Oh my god, I love that. I actually made a chip of it. The whole gun click thing. But I'm like, all right, let me check this out. I was blown the fuck away. All right, really? it, the story is fine. I mean, the guy. A uh, young young guy proposes girlfriend in Thailand or whatever, and there's all of a sudden like this big terrorist incident where they murder uh, his his girlfriend and like wound him as well, leaving for dead. And so you see you catch up to him like was 18 months later or whatever, and now all of a sudden he's like taking MMA, getting kicked out of MMA classes because he's like too rough. You see him <laughs> up and shit. He's like doing you know crazy chin ups. He's got like. He's got, he's like throwing knives at a dartboard of the of like the head of the terrorist cell who killed his 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 would be fiance, right? And and basically the CIA pulls him in after he go kind of goes rogue trying to murder the guy himself. And they're like, look, and, and basically Sonal Lathan is like the handler's like, look, Mitch, his name is Mitch 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 Rap or something. Look, Mitch, I, I like your uh, yeah, Cupcake, right? Look, Mitch, I like your agenda. You know, we want you to work for us. He's like, fuck you. I hate authority, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, no, we're going to rein you in. You know, we're going to use your skills to go kill other bad guys. And that's where Keaton comes in. Keaton's like the old, you know, worn out, uh, seen everything, training CIA dude. And he puts together like a, a coterie of assassin killers. Once again, for the third, I think it's the third or fourth movie we've seen Edgar Ramirez in, in this whole line of killers. But Edgar Ramirez in this whole little line of badasses. We're like, all right, we can go out and fuck people up. And that shit was great. It was great. I loved it. Pure action, pure adrenaline. Taylor Kitsch plays one of um uh he plays a guy named Stan Hurley, plays one of Stan Hurley's kind of you know, young, uh kids who's gone rogue. He's into like black market nuclear visual material bullshit, whatever, doesn't matter. This shit's great, you know, kind of does a little euro euro trotting. I had a fucking ball. She was hot in it, Shiva Nagar. I think I've seen her in a couple things after this. She was pretty sexy. Everyone's backstabbing everyone. He doesn't do authority. Oh, it's so good. American Assassin, <laughs> damn it. Based off of a, uh, a series of books, and they were, and if only more people had seen it, they're going to make sequels. But now, sadly, I don't think they're going to make a sequel. But it's so fucking good. I think it's on Stars right now. Oh, nice. Uh, I thought it was a cool. I don't care. I don't care. I love it unconditionally. I thought it was okay. I thought Keaton was the best part of this movie. He was good. Um, I thought the bird. What do you think of Dylan O'Brien as, as Mitch? Did you buy it? I thought it was. He thought he was a little over the top. Look, I have. I'm always disturbed by scenes like the opening scene at the beach. Yeah. The, the that's, those are hard. Like those scenes are really hard for me to watch, and those scenes to me are like, do we have to do that scene? Um. And that sort of turned me off from the beginning. Um, oh, so you didn't even yeah. know what was going in? You weren't prepared? No. Uh, I mean, I, I 
had an idea, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. And then, um, I don't know. I thought it kind of got whatever the backstabbing and the, it was fine. It was fine. It was a perfectly fine movie. I would never put it on my top three, but it was good. It was solid. He's a hothead. Amplifying it, damn it, because not enough people have seen this movie, and hopefully someday, if enough people somehow see this movie, maybe they'll make a sequel because it's set up for a sequel. Let me tell you, and it, I, and it's 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 a hell of a ride. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of good shit going on. All right, so what's next? Watch this movie now that he told you about it. What's that? I said, Kevin, are you gonna watch it now that he told you about it? Uh. I would like to watch it, but I will probably watch Moana again. Because <laughs> I got kids. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. All right. So, so send this out, G Nice, Mr. All right. My final, my, final, uh, my final pick is a kind of older movie, but I very much enjoyed this movie called In the Line of Fire, starring Clint Eastwood. Yeah. I remember watching this movie and not knowing what it was. And for the, like, I didn't know Clint Eastwood. I just assumed he was like this cowboy guy who always played cowboy roles. I remember watching this movie and like, being like, whoa, this is cool. Like this was, I thought this was like a really interesting story. And then John Malkovich makes that wooden gun. And yeah. like, it's like it, I'm sure it makes no sense. But like at the time I thought it was super cool. Pre-3D like, printing. <laughs> right, right. And, but this is like, this was like the very beginning of like, this was like the blueprint for Liam Nielsen, like the old man beating mm -hmm. shit up. Like man, he was old man, action. old man action. Yeah, and like I remember thinking this was really good, and this is you know he comes out of retirement and he he's doing this one last thing, and then uh, I don't know why, but I like really Russo very very much. Uh, but I just this was I thought this was like a super cool movie. Like he was cool, and that shocked me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's, it's essentially that guy going in for that last job, and you've got this sort of his past haunting him and all that stuff. This is a classic. I yeah. gotta actually give it to you. Yeah, I do that. And it doesn't do like like a great deep dive in the Secret Service stuff, but I remember it did spark my interest in the Secret Service. And at that time, uh, my side of the family was still in, on good speaking terms with my cousin, who is still somehow, some way, active Secret Service, even for that dickhead Trump. So I, I remember it sparked me asking like some more questions, and I think I wrote a couple of of you know outlines for some very bad secret service scripts or something like that <laughs> because of this movie i was i was curious now like, oh that sounds like interesting yeah like he shouldn't be hanging off a rooftop but still he shouldn't be getting that cute girl but still like it's yeah, just you it's know. Never exciting yeah. Yeah. Uncle debbie or cousin debbie it's never as exciting for her it's mostly like advanced scouting and some you know bullshit. <laughs> yeah wasn't the it was made of wood and it was like a piece of plastic or something yeah yeah, yeah. Just, I'm sure, absurd, but it was still really cool at the time. Made sense at the time. <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's possible. 1993, gentlemen, we are old. <laughs> yeah, we really are. Well, that's a good one, and to end on, and so we are going to take a small pause for the cause before we go into our next segment. We're going to tell you a little bit about for those listening at home. We're going to tell you a little bit about the draft stream game, how it's played, how you can get involved. So we'll be back right after this. Movie theaters are on hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. DraftStream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. Just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet. 
no more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three types of actors for your 10 actor call sheet. Headliner, co-star, and day player. Scoring is based on a weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. There's a weekly minimum $50 prize pool shared by the top two non-Cinema Draft employee call sheets. Or you can go low. Cinema Draft offers a minimum $10 lowball bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet of the week. To qualify, your call sheet must spend at least $75,000 of your budget, use at least one actor from three separate titles in the talent pool, and, of course, roster at least one headliner, co-star, and day player to your 10-actor call sheet. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks again for your help and good luck. And we're back. All right. So last week's quarantine movie of the week. And let me share my screen before I forget this was the iron lady eh, bit of an inspired choice i guess it's not as good as i remembered it her performance meryl streep was actually pretty good seeing you know the former prime minister of the united kingdom margaret thatcher in decline it's kind of interesting and, and she plays old very well you know so well-deserved oscar for meryl streep this week's quarantine movie of the week will be the movie noel are you all familiar with noel i'm not so i'm Isn't just on netflix no, it's on Disney Plus. And it's new. It's new. This thing. No, well, it came out last Christmas, and my God, it's now a holiday tradition. I will watch this once every Christmas because it is so good. She's Anna Kendrick. I mean, she kind of like uh, she reminds me a little bit of Rachel McAdams as far as like if you know she's in something, she's gonna go. No, not that. That's not true. That have you seen Eurovision? Have you seen Eurovision? So it's the, the story of, of Fire Saga or whatever. I saw the first 30 of that. That movie was rougher than I thought it was going to be. That I thought it was going to be hilarious. It was like totally weird. Kevin Smiley, you've seen uh, Eurovision, right? I have not. It, it sounds like a disaster. but No, it, I thought it would be too, but I'm telling you, actually, give it the first half hour. G-Nice, I don't know what, what he was on. Uh, I, I was actually, you, you missed the point of what I said. You you, you missed it. I'm, I'm actually, I like Rachel McAdams very much. But you didn't like Eurovision, which is weird. Kendrick, she, Anna Kendrick, I my, my oh, Anna Kendrick, you don't like. Oh, okay. Well, I like Anna Kendrick a lot because, like Rachel McAdams, she just kind of goes for it. When you when you're when she's in something, you know it's on pretty much safe hands. G nice excluded, of course. And anyway, she plays uh and I mean, and she's a, a sprite of a woman, she's tiny, but she plays uh Noel, the basically the the daughter of Chris Kringle, 
uh, you know, she's very perky. She's very, you know, she's very jolly. Yeah, that's her term. She, oh, it's not very jolly. Oh, it's very jolly. And it's basically, she ventures away from the North Pole for the first time ever when her brother, played by Bill Hader, who becomes the new Santa because Santa's retiring, uh, or actually, I think Santa died, <laughs> and and he played. He's the new Santa, and so and he goes a wall because he can't handle the pressure of his very first Christmas Eve, and so she leaves the North Pole to try to find him. And where's he find him in Phoenix? <laughs> and so basically, hmm. fish out of water comedy, a lot of the same things you expect. But Shirley MacLaine plays like her head elf slash kind of godmother, goes along for the ride. There's a lot of great Christmas humor, but but based look at this this smile right here, right here. This is the movie in Toto, right here. A big bright smile, super jolly. Basically, this naive girl who's never been away from the North Pole. Among us, you know, normals, normies, whatever, doesn't, you know, doesn't know about Starbucks, doesn't know about malls, doesn't know about like a bunch of basic shit. And it's really fun watching her try to basically positive her way through every weird, cynical, real world. They made that movie before. That was Elf. Uh, but did he leave the North Pole? I don't think so. Oh, actually, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. This is very jolly, very fun. I I was not expecting anything of it. And it was in the early days of Disney Plus, too. Like We didn't know if Disney would really make it with, this, with the streaming service. But it was very... I mean, it kind of got lost under the shuffle of all like Mandalorian and stuff. But it really, really, really is very fun, very joyous, very jolly. And I, it's going to be a holiday tradition from here on out. I love this movie unconditionally. Noel, high, high, high recommend. I may check it out. I will not. Can I say something though? I'm raising my hand. You can't see it. So, Andrew, Anna Kendrick. I I will say she's she's talented, and she gets lots of really really good roles. I don't I don't mean I don't mean to be a hater because she's she's super talented. She does a good job every time. She's solid. I just sometimes wonder, like, for example, if it was Rachel McAdams playing that role, it would be awesome. Like like what's the one? What's the one with uh, George Clooney? Oh yeah, uh, up in the air. Yeah. yeah, like that's a really good movie, and she does a good job. I just wonder if it was somebody else, would it be even cooler? That looks well, like the guy from High Fidelity, job. by the way. She does a good job. I the guy from High Fidelity. I don't think she's worthy of on the nomination. That looks kind of weird. It's like not much for the role, right? She, she, like, did you guys see Love Life, Love Letter, Love Life? Oh, Love Life. Yeah, she's good in that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, but wouldn't you have liked it more if it wasn't her? That's so oh, not fair uh, to her. Uh, very gifted. She's very gifted. I think you're trying to substitute her entire career. You're, what? you're, if for as much as you shit on everything, your bowels should be empty by now. <laughs> like everything that comes up. <laughs> so not, I'm not telling you, she's super talented. That's not her fault. Why do you want to substitute every role she's had? What is with you? She's super talented, but it would have been better without her. Rachel McAdams could have cloned herself and had a, a second career, is what you're saying. I mean, Rachel McAdams is fine. Like, I don't, I, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we're moving on. Going into the draft stream update this week. Of course, you guys don't play the game. Shame on you. It's fine. We're, we're about a week or two out from a working web app from which you will have zero excuses, damn it. It'll be a lot easier to play the game. This past week, Jay Bird once again is up at the top. He actually broke the streak of Gamble24x7, G24, the homie, the all-time draft stream money leader. He's now amassed over $1,050 in playing a free weekly game over these last eight months. But Jay Bird, it was time to shine this past week. He had the clean money sweep. He had first. He had second. 
and he won the low ball bonus as well. We tied, but he won the tiebreaker by nailing accurately the low ball per uh, the tiebreaker percentage. Or actually, it should, it should have been 77%. There we go. Anyways, he, so he got the low ball bonus as well. Less than a point off of getting the perfect low ball call sheet bonus of $25. Better luck next time. And he did it on the back of Mosul, which I did not see coming. A Netflix foreign drama, which really, really showed and proved on the Saturday update when it came out the box, the 95 Google user score update. As those of you who have played the game know, we overweight the user scores from Google and IMDb. They get a 60% uh, weighting in our scoring. So that really put him over the top with his three-pack of Mosul. Three-pack of Princess on the, of the Row. D.B. Cooper, the mystery D.B. Cooper. I watched that on the third screen as I was putting together the master call sheet Thursday night. Very interesting. Very, very. <laughs> it's worth it's worth a watch. Oh, yeah, I'll just tell you that. Say that. I'll, just, I'll just say that. It's worth a watch. Um, three three different people claim they knew three different DB Coopers. Who's right? Who's to say? And then Virgin River and headliner stack of Uncle Frank. So that was last week's winner. I ended up getting in third. Third place in the money. And fourth was IDEMO. Shout out to IDEMO. Well done, sir. Very first cash. And he also had Mosul on his call sheet. That was the difference. So this week's call sheet, or this week's talent pool, 25 new hot ones, everything from a suitable boy on Acorn TV for you Anglophiles of the world, down to your honor, Brian Cranston, getting dirty as a judge who covers up his son's crime on Showtime. Looks like the new Showtime Sun Sunday drama. That looks have, interesting. Have you all seen any, any any shows in this town pool you guys are interested in? That, that one with Cranston looks good to me. Um. Uh, God bless Shameless for still being on. Final um, season. Bring it home. <laughs> I still watch. Do you still watch? Anyone else watch Shameless? I stopped watching. Yes. I got frustrated at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, fair. I, I, I'm not even from Chicago, and I still watch Shameless, so I guess it's on me. But, no, I mean, it's it's the last season was a little rough. The first season without uh, uh, Emmy Rossum. But I'm interested to see how they She's not on it? What happened to her? No, she quit after season nine because this shit is just too long. It was, she was like, it was time. <laughs> she just got tired of oh, playing. It wasn't like bitter or anything. She was just like, I'm out. No, no, it was all very amicable, I guess. I thought the Cranston thing looked interesting. I the I didn't watch it. Did you guys see the show that Showtime had with Kevin Bacon about like the mayor's office or something? I saw oh, the first yeah. couple of those and fell off. City on a hill or something. On City the on a hill. It started really strong. Like, I thought its pilot was like one of the best pilots I've seen in a while, and then like kind of stumbled to the finish in the first season. But I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the, the second season. Whenever that comes. Euphoria is coming back. I'm very much looking forward to that. And in the talent pool, is it really? That's the show with that's the one with Zendaya or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The she won. Does she want to Emmy for? And I can even point you to the scene, the scene where you know, I think it's third episode where she's banging on on you know her her drug dealer's uh, screen for you know their her screen door like you know just give me some drugs, just give me some drugs. I even tweeted that night. This girl is your Emmy reel <laughs> right here, and I'm so proud of her that she got it. Good for her. Damn it. <laughs> Keep getting those checks. Oh, I've, uh, well, I need to reset this, but basically, Euphoria uh, is about 
second or third highest priced third second or third highest priced uh title on the slate highest price this one goes the big mouth big scores people you know what you're gonna get with big mouth you are paying for points not for value so you might actually want to get some exposure to big mouth i think some exposure to euphoria might be smart shameless is going to do what it does so it might be worth getting that on your call sheet as well what I think is a bit of a wild card is Sound of Metal. It's an indie movie, 16,000. Our boy Riz Ahmed, love his work. Uh, he's headlining this along with Olivia Cook. It's gotten some really good reviews early. If you go even to the IMDb page, you can see it's already has a 7.3, which is an excellent start in our game, considering it is VOD. Probably must have hit some festival circuits earlier pre-pandemic. And for value, I'm probably going to go with hey, you never know the Mariah Carey's Christmas special. And I say that it's almost yeah, like yeah. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It, it sounds like it's a joke, but I'm telling you, people love Mimi, people love this time of year because of Mimi. It's, she's got a decent guest cast in the special Ariana Grande, Tiffany Haddish, Snoop Dogg. He's the, the co headliner, so you never know. And Apple TV Plus stands for quality, they are consistently our highest scoring platform in the draft stream game so at 8500 for snoop 8800 for mimi you could do worse all right and actually let me snoop apparently has a lot of momentum coming off of this uh tyson roy jones fight play by play oh yeah so yeah so what was that about i did not see that so he was like i did not watch it either they did not color? get my money he was doing color but he was just like <laughs> he's a cracking jokes talking trash and people were eating it up. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the clips of when Nate gets knocked out. I just it was oh, Nate is a full blown meme now. <laughs> yeah, but it was like it was like it was like I get why there was joke, but like you know, I actually felt bad for him. Yeah, like, he the got worst shit talking beforehand, I guess. And when you get rocked like that, you deserve to be memed. <laughs> the worst, no, the worst meme that, is it was it getting it knocked was, out. That hurts. The worst meme was it was the NBA logo, but instead of Jerry West, it was like Nate knocked out in the in the middle of it. It was <laughs> brutal. Wayways, conscious or not, get your call sheets in by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Three max call sheets per person, hundred dollar prize pool, including a fifteen dollar low ball bonus. So you can feel free to trick off one of your call sheets on going to the low. Maximum any one person can win is probably about $90. So give yourself a shot at all with all three call sheets. And some of y'all out of work. So, you know, come get this free money. Come play with the game. Appreciate y'all. Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Send them to cinemadraft at gmail.com. All right. We're going to bring this plane in for a landing, fellas. Thank you all for elevating the Cinema Draft podcast in your presence. Give it up for the tripod. Appreciate y'all. Ow. This is the time where you get to plug your ish, fellas. So go ahead and plug your ish. Uh, the Republic of Sarah coming to the CW in the spring, uh, starring Stella Baker. It's going to be great. Dynasty season four coming next year. Watch it. <laughs> Do you still get checks off that? Uh, I should be getting a couple of character payments here and there. You get oh you get payments off characters. Oh, look at you. Okay. Yeah, if you if you 
if a character first non-regular like a recurring character mm. first appears in your episode when they come back you get a little you get a little something so so which characters are yours are you allowed to say or I can't even remember, but I know there's a bunch of them in there. So. Is it like Dominique's daughter or whatever? The what, What's her face? Oh, no. I don't know. I don't think I have her. But there are a few others that I have. So I, I did not know that. Waiting okay. by the mail. Go ahead, WGA. Looking out Is for it the by the mail. What's waiting that? For those, waiting for those envelopes to come in. <laughs> Character payments. I, you know, today I learned. You know, today I learned. What about you, G-Nice? Um... Anything to plug? You should watch Noelle because she is a gifted actress and we need to support. <sighs> the sarcasm, boy. Wait, that wasn't meant to be sarcastic. Let me do that again. Let me do that again. You should watch Noelle, dude. She's really good. <laughs> you haven't even seen Noelle. I haven't. I'm being, I'm being sincere. This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> so he's trying to plug ish for me. Okay, got it. Great. All right. Well, you know what, damn it. Let me just play this out. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, everybody, for playing this great cinema draft and draft stream games. We're getting closer, damn it. A web app is coming. Hang in there, please. Get your call sheets in. Thanks for playing, everybody. We'll be back next week with another top five and with another great guest. Thanks for watching, everybody, and I'll see you all next time. Holla at your boys. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook, Cinema Draft, Instagram, at Play Cinema Draft, Medium, at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.